Welcome to Free Christian Church of God's Audio Outreach Ministry. For more information regarding the audio outreach ministries, or to order past messages, please contact the church office at area code 419-596-3103 or visit our website at www.freecog.org. And now here's Pastor Jimmy Fry with today's message. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 5. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely He has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, I'm thankful for this church, God, for uh, the, the heart and the passion uh, that your people here have for your word. Uh, God, as we stand and read uh, with reverence your words to us, to encourage us, to enlighten us, to spur us on to a, a life of, of holier living every day and, and a life that is filled with more righteousness Uh, Lord, and my today be no different. Might we be encouraged by your word today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love this passage, this this chunk of scripture in 2 Corinthians. Actually, I could probably do a a month-long series on it, but I probably won't. I'll probably just try to get it all out of me today. But there is a lot that's going on here in 2 Corinthians. In fact, there's a lot going on in just these few scriptures that we did read. Uh, So between the books of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, there's been some malfunction that's begin to take place between the Apostle Paul and the church at Corinth. So what happened was, and it seems like it always happens this way, false teachers had crept in and stirred things up between the church and Paul. So they had, they had caused some tension between him and themselves, and so there, there began this falling away from the truth and it really broke Paul's heart. So what he did was he wrote them a letter. In this letter, if you, if you would read what, what scholars say about 2 Corinthians, they all call it a letter of encouragement. A letter of encouragement uh, above all else. But he wants to encourage them to get some things right that had gone awry. So... 
later on, we, we took this letter that Paul wrote, and it's been separated into 13 different chapters, okay? Paul didn't write the letter that way. That's just how we do it, so we can reference it and find, you know, Paul didn't write verse 1, and then write his thing. He didn't do that. So we added that, but if you, you would take the 13 chapters of this book, two of those chapters are fully devoted to money. Two full chapters. I saw, you, you nudge your wife, I told you we should have skipped today, right? But it seems to be that when we slide away from the truth, we get stingy with our money, don't we? I've said it before, and I'll say it again. We live in two different economies, right? We live in the world's economy, and we live in God's economy. It's just the way it is. One of these economies pays dividends that the Bible says will enrich us in every way causing us to be generous in every way. On the other side, the word says it threatens 1 Timothy 6.10 with many pangs, and it has the potential to steal your soul. So today I ask you the question, which economy are you most invested in? He begins the section on money by bringing up the Macedonians. And if you would flip back one chapter to 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 7, I want to read what he says about the Macedonians. He said, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. All right, so I just want to pause as we read through this. And first, I want you to catch the words used there when he says the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. So, so hang on to that grace of God. Verse 2, for in a severe test of affliction, we're going to do some math here, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Okay, that math doesn't really equate very well, does it? It, it doesn't really equate. The equation was, if you need help, I'm not a math scholar or anything, but it's abundance of joy plus extreme poverty equals a wealth of generosity. They didn't teach me how to do math like that in school. But how does that happen? How does that make sense? And we know, because God. The currency of grace produces a wealth of joy. Verse three, for they gave according to their means. Well, that makes sense, right? Give what you can afford to give. Distribute what you can afford to distribute. Goes on, as I can testify, and beyond their means. Now, why would someone do that, right? See, now you're thinking in the economy of the world again. Of their own accord. They didn't have to be coaxed. They didn't have to be taught. They didn't have to be 
preached to. They didn't have to be reminded. They just gave beyond their means of their own accord. This is the kicker. Verse 4. Begging us earnestly for the favor. Okay, now favor here is the same word that was used in the first verse for grace. Grace of God. Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. These people are in the midst of affliction, of suffering, of poverty, and they are begging to take up an offering. Weirdos. Right? Begging to take up an offering. You know, rarely do I ever hear someone complain that we don't take up an offering. No one has ever said since the beginning of COVID, if we don't start passing the offering plates, I'm going to go to a church that does. Not heard that. Not heard that. Never heard someone say, I don't like that church. Preacher don't talk enough about giving. No one's ever said that. See, the Macedonians understood something. They understood that God would never call them to be a giver of something that he would not provide for. That's what they understood. They knew in order to ever get out of what they were in, they were going to have to be generous to get out of it. But that wasn't even their, their means. That, that wasn't even their mentality. But I'm here to tell you today that giving is actually God's grace upon your life. It is a gift to give. Now verse 5 Talking about the Macedonians giving. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. Hmm. You know what he's calling the act of grace? You know what he's referring to there as an act of grace? Giving. Your perspective on money starts with what you believe about grace. Grace produces joy, which produces generosity, which produces thanksgiving, which produces praise to God, which gives more grace, which produces more joy, which produces more generosity, which produces more thanksgiving, which produces more praise in the cycle of the kingdom, yields a great return on investment always. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. God gave me life. We just sang about it. 
just like Lazarus, you brought me back to life. Are you thankful for that? He forgives your sin. He has shown you mercy and grace. He gives eternal security, saying, nothing will ever snatch you out of the palm of my hand. And then he's indwelt you with the Holy Spirit, giving you the gospel message, not just to hear, but to share and speak. Our giving is the response to God for already being generous to us. All of our giving starts with grace. All of it. This is where the economy of God overshadows the economy of the world. And it's just amazing to me when you would pull out, and I don't don't have any money, or I was going to use a real dollar bill as an example. Uh, Not that I'm completely broke, but I just use a debit card, you know. One of those millennials. But it's amazing to me that I could take a a $20 bill that is eternally worth nothing, absolutely nothing, and I can invest it in an eternal cause. I, I can take this thing that will burn, I mean, even in America, a $20 bill is hardly worth anything anymore, right? And I can invest it in something that will last for all of eternity. God is able, (laughs) right? If we're not free with our giving, then do we truly understand what it is God has done? As I said Generosity is our response to God already being generous. Because you're not giving anything that's yours anyway. So in a grace sermon I had preached a few weeks back, I said the refusal of grace upon others could be a symptom of a soul that does not grasp the magnitude of mercy and grace given to them. Therefore, a graceless person should have absolutely no confidence that they have received God's gift of grace themselves. Now, I want you to insert the definition of grace that Paul used in 2 Corinthians 8. Giving. The grace of giving. So during this time, we'll clear up what they were giving towards. The Christians in Jerusalem were being persecuted uh, heavily. They were in need of help. And earlier, the Corinthian church had uh, learned of this need and was, was very excited to give towards this need, planning to help with this need, but they never followed through with it. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll help you out. Oh, that's got to be terrible. We're doing just fine. We'll help you out. And it, it never followed through. So Paul, frustrated, is encouraging them. I want you to finish what you started because robbing God only serves to rob you. Anyway, they had all sorts of reasonings, I'm sure, as to why they didn't give the gift. 
Um, and, and it's really, for all their excuses, Scripture sets the record straight. They, they, the church in Corinth was a very strong church, a very gifted church, though some things needed addressed, and, and Paul addresses them throughout this letter. Paul did recognize that they were a spiritually strong, spiritually gifted church that did have some effectiveness. But... Sometimes those strengths can become a liability, right? He says this in in, uh, verse 7, But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in in, in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Sometimes our gifts can become our excuse. And that excuse actually bleeds our joy account dry. Our strengths become a way for us to justify that which drains our cheerfulness. And what I mean by that is oftentimes we try to serve our way out of giving. We try to knowledge our way out of giving. We try to teach and we try to serve our way out of financially investing in the kingdom. I've heard things like this. Well, I teach Sunday school and I work the events and I decorate and I labor at funeral dinners. I attend everything. I've been here for years. I excel in all of these things. And Paul would say to you, good, now excel in this act of grace. Excel in the grace of giving. Go beyond the expected measure of giving. Don't just give till it hurts. Give till it helps. Give to what goes further. Give to what surpasses the age of this earth. Here's here's the kicker. Verse 8. I say this not as a command. And, 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 and I hope I can, I'm preaching this in the same way. But to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. Wow. This is, this is Paul saying to the Corinthians, you're a part of us, you love us, Prove it like everyone else that's giving to this cause. He's saying that genuine love is generous. Genuine love is generous. He's saying that other people are, are giving with a sincere and an intense conviction prove that you love like they do. Here's the thing. Even in the economy of God, an investment is required in order to get a return. 
even in the economy of God. Look no further than John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he what? Gave. His 10%. No praise him that he didn't. He gave his one and only son. And in that gift... He saved my wretched, sin-sick, spiritually dead soul, making the inverse of that scripture true, for I so love God that I give. Right? Now remember, this entire letter is encouragement. Maybe we just define encouragement a little differently today. So even these two chapters that Paul's addressing this financial situation, he's, he's encouraging them. Because here's the thing. The Word of God says that you will be encouraged when you follow through with the, give, the gift of grace that is giving. And then he, he goes on in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Encouraging them that whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Who believes that today? I would like to seriously take a poll. Who believes you reap what you sow? You sow a little, you get a little. You sow a lot, you get a lot. Okay, good. But this time we'll have the ushers come forward. <laughs> Keep your hands raised. I'm just kidding. But here, here's, here's the thing, and this is where it gets all twisted. This isn't some monetary guarantee. Uh, it's, it's not, this isn't seed money. I'm going to take my offering day, everybody give a thousand bucks, and you'll have a million tomorrow. No, because then you, you're really just given more worthless paper, aren't you? Just, just more of something that's going to divide and distract and all of these things. So, so it isn't a money guarantee. It's not a prosperity gospel approach here. But what we as believers sow, God promises to return a harvest of joy fueled by grace and more grace. Again, take the temporary and turn it into eternal. That's what God does. And here's the thing. How you give affects how you worship. Why? Why does how I give affect how I worship? Because giving is worship, and worship is giving. And it's all connected. Worship is all connected. So you like, oh man... I, man, you turn the music on and I can worship. Not if you don't tithe. It's connected. It's all connected. But this economy of God only works when each person is free to, as 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Isn't that about the saddest verse in the Bible? People don't get, you don't hear that one quoted all the time. Just by preachers, pretty much. Just us. 
So there's really no command given by Paul here. He's not saying, do this or else. But here's the thing. Isn't love always a call to give? Just on its own. When you love something, don't you have to give it something? Everything in life that you love costs you. And here's, this is true in your life, it's true in my life. The things that you are most generous to is what you believe has the biggest return on investment in your life. This is interesting, Uh, not in my notes, but you're sitting here paying attention, so we'll just go with it. Uh, I I did some research. This was years ago. Uh, During the Great Depression, giving per capita was, I believe, about 2.3% per person. Giving in the church. Before the Great Depression, sorry. During the Great Depression, it went up. Free Christian Church of God. Pre-COVID, giving per capita was, I don't remember. During COVID, giving per capita went up. Why? Because people understood the value of the church. When, when we were watching the death clock tick on the news, we wanted what the church had to offer. You take a pandemic away, giving goes down. Isn't that interesting? Makes sense. Macedonians going through a hard time. What are they doing? They want to give. They just want to give. But you give to what you believe has the greatest return on investment. And sadly, most people only invest in temporary things. But here's how we function at Free Christian. I don't know if everybody knows this, but uh, you will after today. You cannot serve on a board in this church unless you give. You cannot be on staff at this church unless you give. In leadership here, you are required to give because you'll make better decisions with God's money when you have skin in the game. We don't believe a non-giver should make decisions with the money of givers. We won't do it. Because again, you give to what you love. And we're not going to put someone on a decision-making board that doesn't love the church. So here's the thing. You, you give to what you love. If you don't believe me, check your bank account. So I did this with my own bank account today. Well, this week. Because remember where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And, and God doesn't need my money or your money to establish his kingdom, okay? Or build his church. Doesn't need it. It'll be fine. If you can't give cheerfully, don't give. Just don't give. That's fine. But really, it's a privilege to give. It's a privilege, it's an honor, it's grace upon our life to invest in eternity. Giving a temporary thing for an eternal benefit. So if you were to look at my bank statement, you would first and foremost see that I, and probably most importantly, love this church and its ministry. And that's good because I'm the pastor, right? 
That would be bad. This sermon would have got really awkward. (laughs) Secondly, you can see that I love my wife in my bank statement. Third, you can see that my wife loves Amazon. (laughs) True story, it's in the records. It's in the records. Then you'll see that I love a place called Cabin Fever Coffee. And you see I love my kids, though it's not necessarily in that order. But some days it probably is. (laughs) See, your money shows your priorities, and it never lies. My wife called me. She's, she's a budgeter. My brain don't work in budgets. She says, hey, just to let you know, money's tight for the rest of the month. Okay. That next day, we went to the coffee shop. <laughs> right? Because you just, you're going to find ways when you love something. You're going to find ways to do it. Shows your priorities. And if your priorities are right, you give cheerfully, Right? Even, even when the economy of this world says that it doesn't make sense to give, your account balance says it makes no sense to give, your bills say it makes no sense to give, you give and you give cheerfully. So what does a cheerful giver look like? The, the, the word, if you would look up cheerful, the, the root word in Greek is hilaron, which is where we get the English word Hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver. Look, y'all laughing. Good, good. See the giving just welling up in there. It's doing it again. (laughs) But, But a cheerful giver doesn't give to ease their conscience. They give to make a difference, right? So verse eight Verse 8, after God loves a cheerful giver, verse 8 starts, God is able. Isn't that crazy context? Isn't it an absolutely crazy context? God is able, follows, God loves a cheerful giver. So, here's the thing. It doesn't matter what it is. God is able. He will do it, right? He's he's done it for years at at this church. Uh, So let's do the God is able test in your life right now. What worries you? God is able, right? What stresses you out? God is able. What do you lose sleep over at night? God is able. What is it the doctor said? God is able. Did you lose your job? God is able. What is it you fear? God is able. God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able. Able to what? Right? This is what I like about it. It doesn't leave anything to our imaginations here. Paul just, he's going straight to the point. I don't want your mind to wander. No imagination needed here, he says, to make all grace abounds to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times you may abound in every good work that's a lot of all in everything 
as it is written, he has distributed freely. He, was given, uh, he has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Wow. That's incredible. And here's the thing. Now, I, I was taught growing up, if you've been in this church for any amount of years, you know this. What does it all mean? All means all, and that's all all means. So it boils down to this. Do you believe it? Do you believe that God is able? If you believe God is able, then you'd be a cheerful giver. But you won't see God as able until you're a cheerful giver. Do you believe it? Do you believe God is able? And are you willing to put your money where your mouth is? Or here's the thing. Do you believe that you can do better in this area without God? For me, I mean, I'm in, right? This, this, this chunk of scripture right here, 9 and, and 10, just proves that you can't outgive God. So why is it then that in some people's life, there is constant discontentment? They, they want to say that they're believers, but they're greedy, they're needy, they're jealous, they're constantly pursuing earthly riches, they have no fulfillment, everything seems to fail, everything seems to flop, nothing seems to satisfy, nothing abounds in their life, no ministry movement, no spiritual growth. Maybe, just maybe it's because you're not a cheerful giver. And that's a heart issue. Maybe what's holding you back is what you're holding on to. And Paul gives us a simple remedy here. He says, Cheerful, cheerfully give it away because God is able. Verse 11, here's, here's your return. This is what you get. You will be enriched in every way. And as much as we would like to put a period right there, Paul did not. He says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. I want you to jump down to chapter 9, verse 15, because this is where it all starts. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. When we sing, that's why we sing. When we evangelize, that's why we evangelize. When we serve, that's why we serve. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. And when you stop at the offering box, it is also thanks be to God for his inexpressible 
gift. When you were saved, someone gave in order for you to hear the gospel. Someone paid to turn the lights of the church on that day. Someone gave toward the heating bill so that you could sit here for an hour and a half. Someone gave to make the building payment that month so the church could meet. Someone put stone in the parking lot so you could park your car at the church where you would hear the word of God and will continue to hear it. Someone bought the Bible you were given when you were saved. Paid to install the baptistry you were baptized in. Paid for the water to be warm in the baptistry you were baptized in. Someone paid the pastor to study, to preach, to teach, and to shepherd you. That night at the hospital that the pastor showed up, someone's tithe put gas in his car to get him there. Someone's tithe bought the coffee that he brought you to the room. Someone's giving brought the flowers that sat behind the casket. Someone's giving paid for the funeral dinner that ministered to your lost family. Why did they do it? Well, because they love, yes, but mostly because givers recognize every day God's inexpressible gift upon their own life. So they give. And it was and it is joy to see the return on that investment. I want to give just some examples of how we've seen this multiplication work in our church. What you see here today uh, was started by 17 generous people. 17 generous people became the ministry that is free Christian for 40 years. 17 generous people. Again, not just ordinary people, givers. So what is in store for a church of 400 generous people? Because out of 17 generous people, before we built this, we sent money to Poland to build a church. Financially for the church, it made zero sense. We should have kept that money and applied it to this, but that's not what God told us to do. He said, go do this thing that will make absolutely no sense for you. So that church in Poland grew to overflowing. Within years, they had a tent in front of it to catch people. That church in Poland is now seven other churches. So many of you gave to one and God made seven. That church is now a community center 
where they hold youth conferences and kids conferences and is so much on its own feet that Pastor Tadeusz sent us a letter a couple years ago that said we no longer need funding. We are able to fund ourselves. God is able. So we needed something to give towards. So we, we went to Mexico. We found Pastor David, who was who down there by Monterey, Mexico, right? And, and Pastor David in a church that's the size of the sound booth ministers to over 100 kids multiple times a week by your giving. And here's the thing. He says, you guys are sending me so much money that I've filled my days with other children's ministries around the area. And now he pays a doctor to come in once a week and to care for these kids. He gives them medicine. Uh, he, he bandages them up. But in that, so, so you see God multiplying that way. In that, when I, when I went to Mexico, there was a bridge I wasn't allowed to cross because it went into the trafficking area, uh, the drug area. And in that, just in a few years, now that area had actually opened up a church for Pastor David to come into there and do his ministry. So, so that's, God is able. That's God is able. And it's great, it's great to belong to a church that does that. But it's even better to be a part of a church that does that. God knows. I, I think, as the pastor of the church, I think that every need, all the financial needs that we're ever going to need, in that those ministries that God calls us to get it behind and support, I believe all the finances for it is already here in this church right now. I believe 100%. We, we have a, phenomenal, a phenomenally giving church but we're not at 100% yet. And when we are, I can't wait. I absolutely cannot wait to stop paying for this building. But we can't just stop. We actually have to finish, finish it off. You know, I, I believe that everything that we need, not just for this ministry, but for the ministries surrounding us, it's, it's all here, not because we are able, but because our God is able. Amen. Philippians 4.19 says that God will supply every need of ours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Not according to what we have in the bank account. So, in closing, I, I don't want you to think that this is about tithing. Uh, that's not really the question that I'm asking, though if you would love to start, I would love for you to start. Um, but the question really is in all this in giving, and giving of anything, is do you believe that God is able? Do you believe he is able to take what little bit you have to offer and make it much? Malachi 3.10, Dad read it last week, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, for if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. 
There's a lot of needs. There's a lot of needs. We can't meet the needs. Why can't we meet the needs? Because someone's not testing God in this. I'm convinced, and we've seen tremendous growth in the church the last year, year and a half, two years especially. And I, and I didn't want to get up and talk about giving in a way that's like, shame on you, that, that kind of thing, because I, I think a lot of people don't give simply because they don't understand it. And the fact that our people don't understand giving reflects me. That's on me. That's a, that's a pastor problem. It's a teaching problem. And we have to do a better job of teaching you what giving is and what giving means and how God, uh, how the, the economy of God works. Um, but I do believe that there are truths. There are biblical truths that once a born-again believer grasps them, uh, once they understand them, immediately uh, two things happen. They become cheerful and they become generous. And, and I think Paul lays that out clearly for us. But for the person who uh, can know these things and hear these things and not give cheerfully, uh, that there's a serious heart issue there. And then I'm not, I want you to really examine your heart and, and what your God is, what, what it is you honor. I, someone had, had told me one time, I don't want the church to have my credit card number. I, the church doesn't have anybody's credit card number. That's crazy. But you wouldn't trust the church with your credit card number? You would, but you trust us with your soul to feed it. What's your God? What's your God? What if we learned to give in the same way that we were saved. What if we gave by grace through faith? God is able, amen? Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. Uh, God, for all the gifts that you've given us. God, how you've sustained us as a church for almost 40 years. And, and God, by your grace, we know that you will sustain us again. Uh, Lord, I pray that this message isn't received as a money grab because that's not what it is. Lord, you're going to take care of us. Uh, but God, it's people are missing out on what you can do. If we would trust you with everything, if we would trust you with our whole life and our whole heart, and we would just lay all the things down before you that you've asked for. God, what could you do with a church that is fully invested? Well, I think you answered that question for us in the book of Acts. And it's because of people like that that we even exist today. And God, you've, you've given us this testimony in Poland and in Mexico where people can look and say because of the generosity of some country folk in a place called continental Ohio God was able to do this here and God if, you, if Christ don't return what will people say in a hundred years and two hundred years because of the obedience 
of the giving of this church. If it wasn't for God's people that gave, none of us would know you. And God, I, I thought a lot this week, why, why, why does God love a cheerful giver? It's because they look like you. He wants his people to be cheerful givers because you are a cheerful giver. God, might we reflect that not just in the giving box, but at the coffee shop the nursing home, in the grocery store. Might we stop looking so much for ways to save and ways to gain and just give. Just pour out grace like you've poured out grace on our own life. In Jesus' name. You have been listening to Pastor Jimmy Fry from Free Christian Church of God in Continental Ohio. We hope you have enjoyed today's message, and we would like to invite you to visit us next Sunday morning. Our Sunday morning services begin with Sunday school at 9.30, followed by the worship service at 10.30. Free Christian Church of God is located on the corner of State Route 15 and State Route 634, just north of Continental. For more information regarding this or other ministries, call the church office at area code 419-596-3103 or visit our website at www.freecog.org. This has been a Free Christian Church of God audio outreach ministries production.